You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman. And I'm Charles Kelso. And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week we are talking about Mickey's EP release party at Book Street Records in Athens, Georgia, where uh, we were joined by Derek Miner of Cutout Bin and Mixing Links. Welcome, Derek. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, yes. welcome back. Yeah, we'll be talking about the event, but also we're talking about the EP itself. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. It's very exciting. And and the event was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh there was a little kerfuffle with uh Mickey's ride getting there, which was a hilarious story. Um there was this really cool car, like on the cover, um, that was supposed to bring him in and it was gonna be all this cool thing and he was gonna ride in on this car. But when they went to pick him up, they locked the keys in the trunk. <laughs> but he got there and everyone enjoyed it because there was a band there and they were playing monkey songs. Everyone was singing along. So people people were enjoying themselves. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. And R.E.M. joined the band mm-hmm. playing music up on the yeah. balcony area. So that was... Some of them did. Yeah. yeah. Some Peter of Buck, them did. Peter yeah. Buck jumped in on Stepping Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three of the four members of REM, which is it's really cool. Like, cause yeah. I, I I've I've been an REM fan as well. So like mm. the fact that uh this this collision of these two things together <laughs> is like I I just found this so amusing. Like I remember when it was was announced, people were like, Is this real? Is, like, <laughs> yeah. What is this? It sounds like a joke, but yeah. it's like, no, it came, it was a it, they came out and said, Here, yes, it's really coming. Yeah. And it's like it's 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 fantastic because it's like nobody asked for this mm-hmm. and nobody expected it, right. but it's fantastic. It yeah. really, really is. I remember the first time I saw someone posted a picture of the cover on one of the monkeys groups. I'm, I'm in like every monkeys group and was like, is this real? And I thought to myself, no, and kept scrolling. Because <laughs> it, it was like someone just put Mickey's head in there. Yeah, it was like, no, someone did a mock-up of, you know, similar to... Uh, Dolan sings Nazmith, mm-hmm. and they put Dolan sings REM. Uh, but no, it kept coming up and kept coming up, and it was for sale on deep discount. And I was like, "Oh, this is a real thing!" Yeah. <laughs> and lucky us because we all live in Georgia, and REM yeah. is from Athens, and so yeah. yeah, this whole event was just amazing. I said this to you guys while we were there. Like, this is the kind of thing like you would have like a funny dream. Yeah. You wake up and you tell your significant other or somebody like, hey, I had this dream that Mickey did a cover of R.E.M. songs <laughs> and he did the record release party in Athens and R.E.M. was there and I was there and there was a band on the roof playing <laughs> Step and Stone. You're like, you're mixing the rooftop concert with the monkeys and R.E.M. <laughs> right. What's like, wrong with you? That's, that's a nice dream to have, but that's not the sort of thing that really happens. If you told me a year ago that I'd be going to a Mickey Dolan's record release party that's an hour and a half from my house where there's like 500 people and REM, I would not have believed you. No, (laughs) you're right. It does sound like a dream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, but it's amazing. And it's, it's a left turn for Mickey from what he's done before, but not that much of one. He's done Mm -hmm. covers a lot. I mean, he was Mm -hmm. doing covers before he was even in the monkeys, Yeah. but his solo projects, he's done Carol King covers and he's done, you know, sugar, sugar, and he's done uh, Johnny be good and things like that. But usually it's things that are, his contemporaries or things that came before him that 
you know, things that appeal to the first generation fans, fans yeah. who became fans in the 60s. And we both something we, we've talked about before, and just as recently as we were talking about on the cruise, it's an oldies cruise, but Mickey has a younger audience than a lot of the oldies acts because there was that big MTV resurgence in the 80s. And for me, this is the first release he's done that really seems to embrace that MTV mm. generation as like the primary or equal audience of his stuff. It's not like, hey, I'm doing a song from the 60s, and if you like me, then you'll like this too. But it's like actually embracing that MTV generation, I think, as the as a big audience of his. And I think that's smart moving forward because if you go to Mickey's shows and it's a lot of people from that generation, and it makes sense to... I mean, he's already added shiny, happy people to his live set. Yeah. Have you guys seen any of those videos? No. There's videos of um, like from the last month. There's like four of them out now where he's added shiny, happy people to his live set. And yeah. it's interesting to watch. I mean, we, we, were, we were watching them sort of in order. And you can see <laughs> the band and him becoming more comfortable with the song as yeah. they go along. But yeah. it's... It, it works seamlessly. He does it right before Daydream Believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it okay. slots right into the show. But I mean, it makes sense from a business perspective, if nothing else, to <laughs> to embrace those you know late forties, early fifties folks who were watching on MTV when they were kids, yeah. because mm-hmm. I mean that's going to be a big part of the buying and concert going audience going forward. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean that's a really good point. Although it's funny because I didn't even think of it that way. But you're you're spot on that it's like whether consciously or not aiming at that other generation of fans right. that 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 wasn't all you know, and it, and I think. When they were doing like when they did pull it and they did justice, mm-hmm. I think they were trying to be contemporary. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I don't know. I I something about the way that they went about that just just didn't work for them. I don't know what it is, but I think I do know what it is. Because I think that well, whether you're a, I mean, if you're a fan of the monkeys, I mean, a lot of folks are listening to Mickey Dolan because they're fans of the monkeys, yeah. right? Yeah. And and even if you're an REM fan. And you check this out and you're, I mean, mean, even if all you know about it is that a guy from the monkeys is covering REM songs, you have sort of an expectation of monkeys sounding music Mm -hmm. um, in some capacity. And this isn't, it's not a monkeys record, but Mm -hmm. I think that, that Christian did give us enough of that monkeys sound Mm -hmm. that you feel like that, that sort of itch has been scratched. And I think that in a lot of pool it injustice, I don't think it scratched that itch. You're looking for music like the monkeys. Even I mean, they did Circle Sky on Justice, and it still didn't sound much like the Monkees because it was, <laughs> they were trying to be contemporary. But I think you listen to Shiny Happy People; it doesn't sound like a Monkey song. But I think there are Monkeys elements to it where you mm-hmm. feel yeah. like it did. You know? Yeah. One of the things that's been catching me is I didn't notice this the first couple of times listening to it, but the um, the dulcimer that someone's playing the do 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 that you can't it doesn't really come out a lot but once you hear it it's like really really loud <laughs> and i've been enjoying that because that that was very monkey's feeling to me because it's the nice light happy high notes that's in shiny happy people yeah. i think so well, do we want to get straight into the review of the ep or do we want to talk about the event at Wilkshire records first i guess let's keep talking about the event because that's kind of where we started okay we hadn't yeah, yeah. covered that yeah so it was in athens georgia mm-hmm. at Wilkshire records which if you're not a follower of of REM, and I'm not really a follower of REM, but I've learned more about them since this has come up. Yes. I was familiar with REM and especially their rec- their radio hits when mm-hmm. I was when I was growing up. Um, and I was born in 1980, so I was my my adolescent and teen years were in the 90s. So I knew songs like "Shiny Happy People" and "Man on the Moon" and things like that. 
but I'm not really a huge REM fan, so I'm not an expert on them. So they met at Wuxtree Records, and that's sort of the start of the band. And so I thought it was really cool that, for one, Wuxtree Records is on the record cover, but also they're holding the the event there, which is extra cool for us because it's like an hour and a half from our house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are the odds? I mean, if he had picked you two, they'd be off in Dublin somewhere, and I would never <laughs> be able to go, you know? So it's amazing that they picked REM and decided to have the event there. And that REM have really embraced it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, they were thrilled. Yeah, they they were like, "This is happening." What? <laughs> because Mickey was one of their heroes, yeah, one of absolutely. their musical um, aspirations. And it doesn't always go that way. I mean, sometimes an older artist covers younger artists' material, and it doesn't it doesn't come off as cool. Yeah, I'm thinking of Pat Boone. Like he, <laughs> in the '90s, he did a, an album that covered metal artists in a metal mood yeah and <laughs> did it in a style it's actually pretty cool it's, a, it's the kind of thing like postmodern jukebox would do now where they would take the metal songs acdc or ozzy osbourne or whoever and put them in the style of like early 60s easy listening but i mean he was on the cover in like a leather vest <laughs> that was his first like charting album since the early 60s in like 30 years mm. yeah and he he appeared on the american music awards as a presenter but, I mean, I think people were buying it as a gag gift. I don't yeah. think people were buying it because they yeah. liked it. They were buying it because it was goofy. And he he was on the American Music Awards in a leather vest with no shirt with a dog collar on. And it's a joke. You know, like no one – no mm. one, ACDC fans weren't buying that because it's a cool thing. They were buying it like, oh, I'm going to get this for Dave because he loves Ozzy Osbourne. This is hilarious. But so I think there's a way that that can go wrong. But I think yeah. that they've really threaded the needle with this one. And it, I think from from REM fans, from what I've seen – for the most part, there's always going to be those commenters who are like, this sucks. Everything sucks. But yeah. <laughs> for the most part, I think people, REM, their fans, the Monkees fans are all perceiving this as a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a, that's, that's a, it's a difficult thing to, to hit. Like, I, I think Dolan Sings Metallica would be a gag gift, but Dolan Sings <laughs> REM is coming off as cool. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it 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 was a good question. Like when you first hear about it, is this a gag? I mean, right. but the just when you actually do hear it <laughs> which we, we we've diverged from the event into talking about I know, again <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it so the, the event like uh yes. athens is just so cool because um they have that musical history with rem the b-52s and mm. then a, a ton of other bands that like haven't got the recognition that those artists have right but um and and like if you guys notice, like uh, the one thing, if anyone goes to Athens, they have a uh, musicians' walk of fame around mm. on their sidewalks, and they have little guitar picks with the artists' names oh. in them on the sidewalks. How cool! Uh, yeah, I saw yeah. some of those. You know, when we were walking around, it was like I would try not to step on them because I was trying to walk around and read them <laughs> sideways as I was walking by them. So yeah, they were everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so like. As far as the event, like uh, this was, I as far as I understand, um, I I don't I think Jody Ritson came up with this and not not Glenn from Seven A. Okay, I mean I I could be wrong, or maybe they came up with it together. But I think that it was I got the impression that Jody had convinced Glenn from Seven A to do it that way to do this, and yeah. both of them were there at the event, and mm-hmm. uh, I applaud everything that Jody had to do to make this event go off because there was a lot of things that I think that just ended up, you know, they're out of her control and she 
he had mm-hmm. to deal with them. And uh, I, I, you know, there were times when it seemed like she was a little frustrated with that, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, she's on, on all her social media posts back to feeling very happy and grateful and excited about everything. So mm-hmm. hats off to her for all of that hard work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. and that event really exploded too because i remember when she first posted about it she's like this is going to be limited to like 30 people you're gonna you talk the, the make, dinner get, uh, no i'm talking about like the actual record signing yeah, i don't think the record signing was limited to 30 people ever but i don't think they expected it to balloon up to i think the first i heard 350 then i heard 400 and then i mean glenn just recently posted that it's close to 500 people turned up for this mm-hmm. thing, right which it's a huge number of people to show up at a record store. Yeah. You know, th- th- this isn't an event hall. This is a sidewalk in front of a little record right. store. Yeah. And, and it then was, it was corralling, also a yeah. weekend. Yeah. And then corralling all these people through the photo op line and getting Mickey done in a reasonable amount of time. And she really, Jody really stepped up and took command of the crowd and got everybody, everybody through that line. And yeah, I mean, I think this event, from my perspective, was a resounding yes. success. Right. Oh, yeah. I think it was wonderful. Yes. I mean, this is a memory that we'll have for the rest of our lives. And I really do appreciate Jody and Glenn and Jody's son and her husband and everybody and Mickey, who everybody who had a hand in, in making this happen and the Walk Street Record oh, folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're not set up to host 500 people. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But and then they had the the a concert on the roof and the the band was fantastic. Yeah. It was just the whole thing was just wonderful. The the mayor came and presented Mickey with the key to the city and the mayor was really cool. Yeah. I mean, everything for me, from my perspective, now behind the scenes, sometimes it's a different story and maybe you're frustrated. <laughs> you're having everything's going wrong. But from my perspective, everything was wonderful. And I had a wonderful. Yes. Time. Yeah. Every Everything. Every, yes. It, everything came off. Well, I, I've been to, uh, been to other events where I've felt like some of the things about that, that might not have gone well could have been handled. But in this case, right. I didn't have any of those feelings. It's like I, my heart goes out to anything that didn't. Uh, go off the way that they'd hoped because you know they've uh, all the communications that Jody put out by email to people who were coming and ordered and everything like mm-hmm. that were very helpful and that's the number one thing that I think mm-hmm. sinks some of these types of uh, large events is that like a, a lack of communication you have right. to yeah. go here or mm-hmm. do this or whatever you know sometimes people just don't put that information out and they had a plan mm-hmm. I mean she put it out of the email about the plan and and, and that's where some of these numbers come from, too. She said that the photographs were supposed to be for, like, the first 350 people who mm. called Walk Street to put in an order. And, like, we were we right. were on the bandwagon early because, like, you guys yeah. pointed yeah. out that the little slips that came with our records said the number. So, like, we yeah. were in the first 10 people who called up Walk Street and put in an order. And yeah. I think that yeah. they got up to 350 people at least. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we were still number six. Yeah. I think Elaine, you were number seven. Yeah. Derek, nine. you were number nine. Yeah. So I mean, we were number we nine. were all over it when, nine. when it launched. But and the funny <laughs> thing is, is I called like two minutes before they were supposed to open, and we were still number six. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, did you anticipate almost five hundred people showing up with this thing? No, no. But I mean, I I think the turnout was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Everyone was really enthusiastic. There was, I mean, it's, there was like kids on the sidewalk, like googling, like who's at Wuck Street? What's going on? Like, yeah. the, you know, walk by and see him reading off their phone, like Mickey Dolan's of the monkeys. Yeah, like, like, That's right. <laughs> He's in town, baby. The university <laughs> came to your town. The university <laughs> of Georgia is in Athens. And so there were college students walking around kind of like going, what? Yeah. 
Wait, it's homecoming. Why are, but these, why are there all these people are not people here? here? Why are there five hundred people on the sidewalk? They're, they're, y'all aren't here for right. homecoming. Why are y'all here? You know, <laughs> blocking up my sidewalk. It was a big event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was fun for Bronky. You had to work that morning. Yeah, I did. And so I had to get up, take you to work, drop you off, and then I came back here, and then I had to go pick up a lane and then go pick you up. But it was kind of fun because, well, first off, they debuted the EP on Monkey Mania Radio. And they were debuting one song each hour. And so I was trying to catch all of them. So like um, Man on the Moon came on and I was in the shower still. So I like Veronica walks by and I'm like in the shower holding my phone up to my head, like <laughs> trying to listen to the song. And then the second one, I dropped you off at work and um, they were playing Radio Free Europe. And the signal kept because it was you're, you're working kind of in a hole. You work at a university. <laughs> and so the, I would get like three seconds of the song and then like. I would lose signal for three seconds. So it was really frustrating. Yes. So that was my whole morning was trying to listen to this EP on Monkey Mania Radio. But then I picked up Elaine and went and picked up you at work. And I thought about it. I, I mentioned it to, to Elaine. I was like, it's funny that you work at a university because it's like I'm picking you up from school to yeah. head to this record <laughs> store. Like we're 18 years old. And then you like you changed clothes on the highway on yes. the way there because we were like, did you never know with Atlanta roads? Like we might get stuck in traffic mm-hmm. for an extra hour and miss the beginning of the event. So we yeah, were like, I wasn't going to go back into my office and change <laughs> yeah. or anything. I was we like, were, Nope. We were on a mission. So like, yeah, you changed clothes on the highway and I tried not to drive by other cars while you were doing that, <laughs> <laughs> but we made it, we made it in plenty of time. Yeah. And it was, uh, and we met Derek there. Yeah. You, Derek, you got there early. Yeah. I tried to get there relatively early. I, I did get there. I think before noon when they said okay. they would start putting, They'd start letting people pick up their records. Yeah. Um, which I think was something that Jody wanted because she wasn't going to be able to be there before noon, I think. <laughs> but I think some people had already picked up their records, which made it tough because those they're supposed to get blue tickets and they yeah. didn't have the blue tickets before noon. Oh, before wow. Jody picked up. Yeah. So uh it was it was like strangely quiet compared mm. to the rest of the day. You know, I got to the store and was like standing. There were a few people, a couple of people walked by wearing monkey shirts and stuff like that. And I was I was getting a picture of the store with my little monkey uh, <laughs> from cutout being up there, like in the front. And, um, and so uh, that was, uh, that was the, before the, the calm before the storm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then um, the way Welk Street set up, you have like the regular Welk, Welk Street entrance and then they have an upstairs area called it's like bizarre Welk Street. Yeah. Yeah. Comics and games and toys. Yeah. There's a little area out there where they had a band. So they're elevated, like a, like a, a story up from everybody from the sidewalk, and they um they were doing a great job, and they they were calling themselves the Funkies. I don't think that's an actual right. band. No. I think they just was calling themselves out for the day. But they were playing a lot of Monkeys covers, and some that they hadn't played. Like they were they were trying to play a Porpoise song for the first time in front of the crowd. <laughs> mm-hmm. A couple of times to get going, but they did a good job with I, it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I was standing in front of the main Wuxter Records because I figured that's where they're going to do the photo ops and I was not moving from that spot because I wanted to be one of the first people and so even though I said to to get my photo and then the other part was like around the corner so I didn't see what they were doing but I could hear them playing and it sounded like the Porpoise song and I didn't know they had some false starts on it (laughs) so (laughs) yeah it went well I I let you camp out in our spot and I went and Saw as much as I could. Alain and I both yeah. were sort of yeah. sneaking off. Yeah, we were and, our picture takers. Right, yeah. taking pictures and videos and things. But yeah, Peter Buck jumped in on Stepping Stone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was it, it was just great. It was just fun. The crowd was into it. I mean, they, they kept sort of spilling out into the street and the cops kept having to tell everybody to get back up on the sidewalk. Um, because it, it's like 500 people there. Yeah. Like, 
crowd on the sidewalk trying to watch the band, but the band did a fantastic they job. They did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bunch of uh, Athens people. There's a, a couple faces I recognize. I think there's a there's a band that was also from Athens called Pylon, and they were kind of like a okay. more uh, kind of like industrial they were kind of like like industrial meets b-52s maybe they were a little more okay a little more angular a little more funky than uh than the b-52s in a way right. um but so the the singer of that band does a act called the pylon reenactment society okay <laughs> so they, they play all the band songs but it's just the band singer with like two other people oh i think like the guitar player for that band was in the band upstairs and, the, and oh. the, uh, oh. we're, we're not doing any justice to the local musicians i'm sure because we <laughs> are all well known in athens and there's probably some great history and and knowledge there that i am completely not even acknowledging <laughs> right but they were all very good and it's and it reminded me that like every time you you think of the monkeys as a foursome Mm-hmm. But anytime you have somebody put together a band that wants to do the full sound, like on the records, you can't do that with four people. Nope. Right. Like six people at least. Right. And at every, least. you know, all the bands who really do it have like that large group. And they they did this. They had they had a large group of people uh mm-hmm. up there doing it. So you had like three guitarists, and you know, you you, you kind of have to have that to get the real sound. There was a saxophone player up there. Yep. Uh I mean, they, they they were fantastic. It was a lot of fun. That <laughs> the crowd was really enjoying it. Uh, it's always fun. To, I mean, to see like a member of REM jumping in uh, on the yeah. on the with the band, and then you know the the mayor came and the mayor was presenting Mickey with the key to the city. And like Veronica alluded to, there was they had a yellow car for the occasion that's similar to the car that's on the record cover that was going to pull up with Mickey. And it was there when we got there, and then it left to go get him. Something went wrong along the way. <laughs> the driver <laughs> locked the keys in the trunk. Mickey Mickey joked about it and said it was like something from Spinal Tap. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. But um, he he arrived. I didn't see what he arrived in, but it, he didn't have his big entrance like they had planned. But I don't think anybody cared. It was no. uh, Mickey was up there and they presented him with the key to the city, which is super nice. Yeah, all the people who camped out. Well, camped out. They I don't think they were trying to camp out. They were just trying to watch the band. All the people right. who are on the side of the building watching the band had the great spot because when right. when Mickey went up there to do the to accept the key, like they were all in a position to see it. Whereas yeah. like a lot of us were all trying to like, oh man, how do I see this? Like I'm <laughs> on the corner of the street and they're on a second floor. And right. <laughs> so yeah, I got, and- we all heard it. I don't think I, I don't yeah. know who had the best view. <laughs> I yeah. think Elaine did. Yeah, Elaine had I a did. good view. I, yeah. I went over to the. If for anyone who's not been to Walk Street Records in Athens, it sort of sits on a corner, and so there's a sidewalk on both sides of the building, like you would at a corner of a street. And so I went to the corner, and I was able to watch from there. But Veronica, you were up at the front of the Walk Street Records, mm-hmm. uh, guarding our place in line for the photos. <laughs> in <laughs> so line, you, yes, Tenta- very tentative line. Yes, it was not. <laughs> Those who are listening because it's a podcast missed the finger quotes. There was, yes, <laughs> if you couldn't hear the finger quotes, they were definitely <laughs> finger quotes. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably Jody's biggest struggle is when all that was done, everyone just kind of whoosh. Yeah. Because, well, it's a yeah. mob of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think she was right. Like, you can't go through and go, all right, number one. All right, number two. Yeah. Oh, they're going to be there till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, trying to get right. everybody through. So it was like, yeah. all right, everybody... Sort of try to push into a single file line as well as you can, and we're gonna get everybody one at a time. And I, I mean, Mickey 
sat there and and took photos with everybody that got done from what I could tell on time for him to mm-hmm. leave and go rest before he had to go to his the, the like an after party dinner. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of folks to move through a line. So I think oh, that yeah. they did a good job of um, sort of taking charge of the situation and getting everybody through there. Yeah. Luckily, we were towards the beginning. So we got our photos made and then went and ate. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and we got back and he was still sitting there taking photos. Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was standing taking a video of Mickey getting the key to the city. I would buy the stairwell that everybody had to come down. Mm. And I was taking pictures of them coming down and I got a really good one of Michael Stipe and got some of Mickey. And then I realized, oh, all this mob of people. So I just got in line with them like I belonged in their entourage <laughs> and followed them so I could get back to the front of the store where you guys were. <laughs> so I was not going to get lost in all the people. It's like, yes, I'm part of the people. Yes, let's, I'm, I'm working with R.E.M. and Mickey. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you stopped with us instead of joining R.E.M. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, it was it was super fun. And it, it's funny, even just like we, we, we walked up um, a couple blocks over and had had lunch and then went to a different record store. But along the way, like we're walking past people who are on the street corner talking about Boyce and Hart. Yeah. And I was like, I think the world should always be like this. Yeah. You should just walk <laughs> on the street. Monkeys convention. There's just people talking about Boyce and Hart and Stepping Stone when you when you walk past them on the street. But I think that would be a wonderful world to live in. Yes, yes. It was just a it was just a great day. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And and shout out to that other record store, the uh low yo-yo stuff records with the uh Jeremy who works there. Jeremy with an A, J-E-R-A-M-Y. I was told in advance that he was like one of the biggest monkeys fans in the area. And uh, he, he lived up to that reputation. I uh, <laughs> had some interesting stuff in the store. They had a, those who didn't go and check out another record store while you're in town, you missed out. There was some good yep. monkeys stuff to be had. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that was, that was kind of fun. And I have to imagine it's like, ah, oh, the poor guy, he's got to, he's got to open his own, go to the record store he works at instead of, Mickey Darlings. Yeah, I mean, I I know he said he he's uh, been in contact with like Mickey Dolan's somebody uh, who helps manage the tour or whatever. So we bought a copy of the Head soundtrack while we were there. The reflective cover. Watch out our podcast later in this month. We're going to have our Head soundtrack discussion, and I used that Head soundtrack cover uh, for our for the cover art for our for our Head soundtrack discussion. So (laughs) yeah, uh, we we. We're putting it to good use, but yeah, that that was a that was a fun record store. They mm-hmm. um they had some cool stuff in there. They had a lot of monkey stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to take an intermission. We'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. Don't change that channel. What he means to say is, we'll be right back after the commercial. I love that Star Trek does what adventure programs do. It's fun characters going on adventures, wearing colorful outfits, but it tries to be more than that. It tries to say something more about humanity and tries to encourage us to be better people. I love that it gives a really positive and really hopeful view of the future. I like that you never know what you get with Trek from Captain Pike to Picard to Captain Proton. I like the Ferengi. Earth Station Trek, a show where we talk about Star Trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Hey, hey, everyone, this is Monkey from the YouTube channel Cutout Bin, and I need your help. 
1967, the Monkees won control of their musical destiny, but did you know they replaced some of the songs in their show with newer ones as well? And in 1969, when the Monkees were swinging over to CBS Saturday mornings, they wanted a more contemporary sound, resulting in more songs being swapped for new ones. Unfortunately, many of these versions were never shown again and are considered lost media. But Monkees fans never give up. We're calling on anyone who may have tape-recorded episodes or even collected film prints. We know some of these episodes were seen in the United Kingdom and Japan. They could be in other countries as well. Do you remember any of these songs from episodes of the Monkees? Bye bye, baby bye bye, don't wanna make you cry. If I only listen to the band, if you have the time, would you keep me in mind? Well, then email us at lostmonkeys at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-M-O-N-K-E-E-S at gmail.com. Do we want to go ahead and get on to Mickey's EP? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Talk about some opinions, some thoughts. We got four new tracks from Mickey Dolan's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have I could have used more. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. but, but what was there was, they were all fantastic. Although I, I like shiny, happy people the most, just because it's the most upbeat. I was encouraged leading up to it. Like there's a, a big record store here in Atlanta called Fantasyland Records. It's been there for like 50 years. They had a post that they had the, or they had the EP in stock and they called it one of the coolest releases of the year. And then the Atlanta Journal Constitution did a write up about, this is prior to Mickey's big event in, at Walk Street Records, where they called it a psychedelic pop masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing that stuff show up in my feed. I love that people are embracing this thing. And I think that Christian Nesmith, who did the the production and arrangement for the songs, did a fantastic job. Yes. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was Radio Free Europe, which is, I mean, I say I'm familiar with uh, REM's radio hits, especially the ones in the 90s. In the 80s, I was you know, from age zero to 10. Um, <laughs> the 90s is when I was really more aware of what was on the radio. And so I was familiar with those songs. I'd heard Radio Free Europe before. It's not really my kind of music, the original. Um, not That's not a criticism. I know it's a hugely influential song and it influenced a lot of like alternative rock and grunge guys leading into the 90s. What they did with Radio Free Europe really sort of knocked me on my butt. I love the production of that song. I love that they brought some psychedelia into it. I love that there's that that break that I just love mm-hmm. that it, it where it turns into like it could be from the, the soundtrack of head for a minute there. <laughs> um, it's just fantastic. And it's just woven so well into the song. And I just I I, I could just listen to that. That's one of the songs like, when it's done. I want to just hit back and listen to it again. <laughs> I, I think the the whole EP is just full of interesting ideas. You know, you think of going back to like what we were talking about earlier with with Mickey doing cover versions of songs and stuff like right. that. I think it's good that he embraces those because I, I I think there were times he didn't want to do cover versions. Like notoriously, he did not want to do kicks for mm. the uh, 1986 then and now thing. Right. I thought it was, they were, they were kind of ripping off the fact that it was Paul Revere and the Raiders song. And, right. Um, but when he does other people's songs, it, he is a great interpreter mm-hmm. of songs. That is yes. like his strength. Mm-hmm. And and it's like uh, come over the last decade or so, it's really come to appreciate Mickey as someone who puts 
of emotion and variety in his performance. It's like, it's a little more than just being a singer. And I think that really works for him as his voice has changed over the years. He hasn't, it hasn't gone as far South as somebody say like Paul McCartney, but he's definitely not, he doesn't have the voice of like 1966, Mm -hmm. but he does great things with what he has and it works. And so doing interpretations of other songs and I mean, I think we saw this with like his his other EP because like his interpretations of the Beatles songs mm-hmm. and stuff that he's done, you know, he's rearranged them and done them in completely new ways. Uh, and, and the Nesmith stuff, you know, fantastic mm-hmm. ideas they had there. So just continuing on and seeing what they could do with these songs, which are recognizable to the originals, but not slavish mm-hmm. to them, you know, right. which is always what people really have as a complaint about covers usually is that they sound too much like the originals. Like what's <laughs> what, why bother yeah. doing right. a cover if you're going to sound exactly like the original and these songs are, they are not that. <laughs> you know, and it's a delicate line to walk because on the one hand, I don't want it to sound like it's the exact same track with a different person singing mm-hmm. because then it's like, well, what's the point of that? Yeah. But also I don't want the, the song to be so different that I can't sing along to it because yeah. it's a different song. I, and they we, did really well. It should be said that the way Mickey approaches it these days is he lets Christian Nesmith do his thing. He does the arrangement. He does the production. And Mickey wants to sing, which is yeah. I think is great. Yeah. He just hands he off the emotion into the, the, his voice. Well, he's just hands off with the, the production and arrangement of the song. And then he comes on and he, and he sings, which I mean, he's 78. I'm, I'm thrilled that he wants to still come in and sing. Yes. He could very easily say tomorrow, hey, guys, I decided to play golf and play with my grandkids instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, more than a title to that, he's had a life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the fact that he does want to come on and sing, I love. And I love that he trusts Christian to, to handle the arrangement. And mm-hmm. they mentioned this on the Zilch podcast. If you don't listen to the Zilch podcast, um, our friend Ken Mills had a great interview with Christian Nesmith and Gren Gretlin from 7A Records about the, I mean, I've listened to it three times, but it's about this EP and about some of the, what went into making it. It's a fantastic episode. But, you know, Mickey has likened his relationship with Christian to sort of like Frank Sinatra and Nelson Riddle. Where like Frank Sinatra wasn't doing the arrangements and conducting the orchestra. He trusted Nelson Riddle to do that part of it. And he comes in and does his part of it, you know, and that's sort of how Nick, how Mickey is approaching it these days, uh, which I love. I think it's working out fantastically. Mm-hmm. And I think Christian has done a good job of, like I said, giving me enough as a monkeys fan. I want to hear a little monkeys in there. Well, wow, that's, mm-hmm. I like Mickey Dolan's, but I don't, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a monkeys record. He's not beholden to sing monkey style songs for the rest <laughs> of his life. But, you know, something like Shiny Happy People, it, I mean, the, like the slide guitar and stuff reminds me a little more of George Harrison than it does the monkeys. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> see that with the monkeys, but there's a little, like there's a little 12 string, like that goes on in the song that gives me that monkeys feeling. And it's funny reading the comments because I, you know, one person will say like on YouTube, wow, this could be right off of the birds, the bees and the monkeys. And I don't hear that, but the next person will say, wow, this is so pet sounds. The next person is like. Sounds like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I think that what they're all responding to is different elements of the song. I think yeah. all those things are in the yeah. DNA. It doesn't sound to me like any one of those things, but it sort of lands comfortably in that space mm-hmm. where you feel like that does belong mm-hmm. somewhere in that area, yeah. you know, but it's its own thing. I think that he did, he did a fantastic reinterpretation of Shiny Happy People. Yeah. Yeah. The Shiny Happy People in particular is the, is... I was going to say kitchen sink song, but that's a, that's a bit of, that sounds like a bit, like a bit harsh on it. But what I mean is it's a song that has 
a lot of a lot of different ideas in it. They work mm-hmm. very well together. You know, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it's like it's schizophrenic or trying to find a place, but but they do. If you put the original song next to this version of it, it's it's fascinating to note like the approach they took to different things. The melodies mm-hmm. there, the 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 whole structure of the song is there, but it's it's like each each part of it is some, something new is done to it. It's like there's like a not a musician, so it's a little hard to say, but like in the verse, there's kind of like a. Uh, like a loping beat, like a bump, bump, mm-hmm. bump, 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 instead of a da na 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 na. Oh, yeah, it's a little off kilter. It yeah. makes you feel a little like it's. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't <laughs> also know not a musician, it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So, like the original is like it, it, it's kind of like they. I think legendarily they've said that that, that was like REM song that was like inspired by the monkeys, and mm-hmm. you can. It, it's it's one that. Some be- they've come into criticism for over the years, you know, because it's 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 hard to just, it's hard to tell if they're like like as the as the British say taking the piss or if it's straight up serious, you know. <laughs> right. Is it is it meant to be taken seriously? But I mean, I think it's the original is just an infectious song, and it's great because it has Kate Pearson from the B fifty twos on it, mm-hmm. and it's 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 um it's got it's got an orchestra on it. It's, it's like upbeat. It's like it, it swells, you know, and, and this version of it has, has those elements. You've got the, you've got a uh, Coco in there doing mm-hmm. the the Kate Pearson part. You've got, um, you know, and they've kind of like done it a little differently. It's like, it's like a, like a little bit of a phased echoey kind of thing. And there's just, it's, it's like I said, there's a lot of ideas in there. And I think that it, it, it just adds up to making it, a, a complete reinterpretation, but a fun mm-hmm. version of that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it sounds particularly like a monkey's song. There are mm-hmm. elements that do, but I think that it sounds enough like the sixties that someone who comes to it says, Oh, the guy from the monkeys is singing an REM song. You you feel like the expectation is met. Yeah, if these were all just REM songs with monkeys arrangements, I think that mm-hmm. that would be a novelty record. You know right. what I mean? But yeah. I, th- I think that he's doing some really interesting things with these songs, but giving you a, just enough of that monkeysness that you feel like that, like I said, that itch has been scratched, you know? Mm-hmm. For me, on Shiny Happy People, there's a very slight hint of like melancholy or something mm-hmm. kind of, because it's kind of slow in some thought, kind of like maybe he's remembering all the Shiny Happy People and things that happen. There's kind of like a, no, I don't know that I can describe na, it. Na, na, na. It's it's kind of just a little. I really enjoy it though, mm-hmm. because I mean he is seventy eight years old, and so you might think that he is sort of, especially with the music video that they put out for the song, with pictures and film footage of him as a child and, mm-hmm. and everything. And so I'm kind of thinking of okay, if you're watching that and thinking about things, then you might get a little kind of you know nostalgia thinking about how things were and back then and so i get a little bit of that from it but Mm -hmm. i also really love leaving new york but that was Mm -hmm. my least familiar song so Mm -hmm. i did not have a connection to it like i did the other three and i really enjoy what they did with that song it just Mm-hmm. That's the one I want to keep listening to over and over again. Okay. <laughs> well, what about leaving New York? Do you love? I don't know that I can say it. Just now, okay. <laughs> it's one of those like tugging heartstring kind of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a feeling. I don't. I don't yeah. have a specific. I know. loved in leaving New York the way he sort of used the loops of the voices and used the voices like their instruments. Um, mm-hmm. Both Circe and Christian 
both yeah, have yeah, little yeah. bits that get they first they start like they're just a singer and then it sort of it repeats and repeats and like with and just becomes a part of the music and i think it's yeah. really interesting the way he the way that he did that yeah i'm christian is very good at what he does with oh, these yeah. albums what he did with um dolan sings nesmith and then dolan sings rem i mean mm-hmm. i'd be happy to see him work with mickey on dolan sings whoever and whatever I mean, we'll I, I, I would yeah. not be worried. I would not be worried if they yeah. said, "Okay, this is the new one. Bring it, whoever yeah. it is. I don't care because I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I trust Christian to be able to mm-hmm. make it sound like it needs to sound." Well, Christian's so. a fantastic producer, and I, I'm not even really into prog music, but Cosmologica I've mm-hmm. listened to a number of times. Well, that's an awesome album. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the reinterpretation of "Man on the Moon," which mm-hmm. doesn't deviate too far, but it just. Um, like the first time I heard it, like I said, it was on my phone in the shower. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that it had a um a harpsichord in it. I thought it was like a harpsichord song. And I was like, oh, it's kind of a cool, like moody, Baroque pop song. It's not a harpsichord. I think it's like a 12 string. <laughs> but I thought it was a harpsichord because I was in the shower. But no, it's got that sort of, it's, it's just a real cool version instead of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, it's wistful because it's, it's, they've also done something with the vocal to make it sound a little distant, you know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah thing. Yeah. That is interesting. That, yeah. What Elaine said about leaving New York, it's like, I have the same feeling that it was an REM song that wasn't on my radar as much because. Right. I was really big into REM from like 1989 to like 1994 or so, 1995. And, and, and then after a couple of records there, I kind of like started to feel like they're just not doing stuff that I like as much anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and some of their, some of their records around that, that song leaving New York is from their uh, record. That's having an anniversary this year uh, around the sun. And Mm -hmm. I never even owned that record. I never, no, I had already gone off of, REM had gone from a band that I would go to the record store to make sure I bought their album on the first day of release to a band. Like I never owned that album, but um, I I listened to the original version earlier today and I was like, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I think I would rather listen to Mickey's version. Honestly, (laughs) it has, it, it sounds very much like I would expect, like a that period REM song. It it sounds a little bit like um, uh, their song "Imitation of Life" that was on the movie "Man of the Man on the Moon" mm. uh, about Andy Kaufman. That was right. like the single they did for that movie, and it's like that's the kind of like mode that I think Michael Stipe was. Well, I guess I shouldn't say Michael Stipe because legendarily REM, the way they write their songs is the musicians going to the studio and jam and come up with music and then michael listens to it and writes lyrics to it mm. so it's not like <laughs> michael Stipe wrote oh. the song they he would the melodies come from what the band came up with before he comes along to write the words i'm sure right. you know, the melody for the words and the lyrics comes from him but so that was like the mode of the band i guess at the time that's so fascinating um, because a lot of the time it works the other way around where the person mm-hmm. with, who does the lyrics writes the lyrics and gives it to the mm-hmm. composer and you're talking about Elton John. Uh, well, Elton John specifically, <laughs> but um, also a lot of the time, um, Carol King when she was working with Jerry Goffin, it would mm-hmm. a lot of the time it was here's the words, here's the music with it. I mean, some of the times it was the other way, but a lot of the time yeah. I've seen it's been right. And I, I'm like you guys were, you know, I was very familiar with Shiny Happy People 
and Man on the Moon from just being alive and having ears in the 90s. Um, <laughs> I also had heard Radio Free Europe, but it wasn't really a song that I gravitated towards. It's not really the style of music that I like. It's sort of early R.E.M. where um, Michael Stipe has a, had a very different style of of singing. Um, <laughs> we'll call it singing. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I hadn't heard um, Leaving New York until this this EP was announced and I went and looked it up. But I, I like that. I mean, in just four songs, it sort of spans R.E.M.'s career mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the first single to one of their late songs that, I mean, a lot of us on this podcast hadn't even heard. And with the, the popular sort of 90s songs in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it, it it works really well. I mean, what, what do you guys think of the album overall, of the EP overall? I think it's four really solid songs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I want more. I, I want more of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want more of REM or just more of Mickey in general? Uh, both, both. Because like what okay. you said is what you said about what Christian is doing with this stuff. Whatever they decide to pick up next, I'm sure they'll come up with some interesting ideas on how to reinterpret songs by anybody. Yep. But I mean, I, I know enough REM songs that there's a lot of them that I, I would love to hear that. I, I would love to have heard them take on a whole album's worth of R.E.M. songs. Yeah. yeah. On the In the interview on the Zilch podcast, Christian was saying that there were a lot of R.E.M. songs they passed on because they were so sort of politically charged and specific mm. to Michael Stipe as a young gay man, you know, in the 80s, 90s. Just didn't seem honest for those words coming out of Mickey's mm. mouth instead. And so they were very selective in the songs that they chose. But, I mean, he also intimated that he just recently had a dinner with Mickey and they're talking about a new project. So, I mean, at this point, do you think we can consider it the the Dolan Sings series? I hope so. Are we going to get yeah. more Dolan yes. Sings? I think so. Somebody else? I uh, hope so, too. Any speculation? Can, as we, can to... we start a, a, start a petition, you know, <laughs> for everybody to sign Dolan Sings? And then... Well, if you were in charge, who would you pick? Oh, that's a good question. They, they, the REM thing, I think, is a very specific, like the song suited Mickey... The band was was super receptive because they're huge fans. Even like the first single mm-hmm. was a song that they wrote with the like the monkeys were at least in their consciousness writing that song that was in some way inspired by the monkeys. But I think it helps a lot. That the band is like super enthusiastic about it, you know, because what you don't want is the band to be like, ugh, or just not even <laughs> care. And then the the fans would be that way, too. So I think it really helps that the band's enthusiastic about it. The fans kind of think it's cool. The monkeys fans think it's cool. I think that they really sort of threaded the needle of a, and a band that was really popular with songs that people actually know and not, mm-hmm. you know, some really good band that four people have listened to. I think this has been an absolute triumph. So, yeah, I was kind of racking my brain thinking like who I would pick. Like XTC came to mind because, I mean, Andy Partridge would go door to door making sure you bought this album. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, XTC isn't as as broadly popular a band as R.E.M. You know, they don't have the, the listenership that R.E.M. So I don't know if... XTC would be a direction they would even go. U2, I mean, it's sort of the similar popularity of R.E.M., but I don't know that that's... It, maybe it's my own bias that's coming through. R.E.M. seems like a, like a hipper band than U2 does to me. You know, maybe people listening to this will will disagree with that. I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, don't know. I, I can hear them singing some Oasis songs, but I don't know that the Oasis guys... I don't know that <laughs> Liam and Noel would be as cool about it as the R.E.M. guys have been. No. You, you know what I mean? Because they even when, they, when Noel Gallagher like, co-wrote a song for good times and it was kind of like he'd be asked in an interview like oh you like the monkeys he'd be like yeah you know i watched it on tv or whatever yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the porpoise song was good which is like <laughs> the thing that music knobs say like to throw a bone to the monkeys <laughs> yeah. the porpoise song was good 
I'll be talking about that again in our head soundtrack discussion. That, that comes <laughs> <up>. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say XTC. I mean, I, I, I'm just an XTC nut. So yeah, uh, that would automatically come to my mind. It's, it's, I don't know if that's really like the speed for Mickey. There are songs that Mickey that could fit that, but I don't know if it would be as a, a career spanning right endeavor like you know I, I think later xtc is stuff that mickey would lend himself well to mm. the you now funny way about you too like you say like i i think you too is has become like more of the uh generally popular band next to somebody like rem rem still they they had their moment where they were shining very bright and they were huge and they sold tons of records but i right. think that they they kind of went back to having like a a cult status more than u2 u2 is okay. still like big stadium yeah. band i yeah. think in most people's minds and rem yeah. like has that thing going for them like anybody who kind of like calls it quits before they fade out you know mm. it's kind of got a thing where they're kind of encased in time in, right. in case yeah, yeah. Where, where you know you can't you can't disturb it yeah um well the u2 guys are also fans of the monkeys i mean that's <laughs> there was um there's a clip on youtube like davy jones came out and sang daydream believer at one of their concerts and <laughs> there's some quotes from their from a book about u2 i don't remember i'm not a big enough u2 fan or mm-hmm. knowledgeable enough to know the specifics but we're like uh, Bono wanted to use like the monkey's names when they were checking into a hotel. And <laughs> one story is that somebody refused to be one of the monkeys. But then another story that one of the other band members said was that the the monkey's names were more famous than theirs were. So it wasn't going to work. Um, but I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're that same generation. They grew up watching the monkeys. Yeah. So I think they would be into yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. My thought was Taylor Swift. Okay. Look, okay. Okay. It's not the worst idea. But because there's a lot of her songs that I think would work really well for Mickey's voice. She has a huge variety of of songs. True. And she her fan base is rabid. Okay. <laughs> so do you think Taylor Swift would be like, hey, fans, buy this record by Mickey Dolenz? Uh, yes. Okay. I do. I don't know yeah. that much about Taylor Swift. Yeah. So if she, she, if she, she would. To it. Oh, she would. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have an idea based on an picture of an article that you posted chuck the other day okay about the bangle about the bangles oh mm-hmm. yeah about the bangle yeah i think that especially if somehow he got the bangles involved in making the record which i think some of them yeah would because they're still doing music now yeah well elaine's referring to is i i posted an article from the 80s in our our monkeying around facebook discussion group where they were talking of uh, Vicky Peterson was saying that they had actually written a song that they were going to submit for the monkeys, like big like return in the eighties, but they'd already gone into the studio and it was too late. And she said, maybe we'll do it again sometime. And, but, um, or maybe we'll do it ourselves or something like that. So I was curious what this song was and if it still exists and if they ever recorded it and if it's still out there, but there was also an article, an interview with Mickey from the eighties. And he was saying like the songs like Duran Duran, isn't that oh. different from what the monkeys did. And he was saying that like manic Monday, by the bangles is a song the monkeys could have done so i mean i i would be all on board with dolan sings the bangles because i mean they came out of like the paisley underground Uh, they were very 60s inspired like vicky peterson is in action skulls now Mm -hmm. and she's married to john cowsill and like she's doing 60s style music like they would be super into it so yeah and i could see manic monday being like a a mickey dolan single like that and absolutely i love the bangles so that would just be i would be so well, and a lot of their that. popular songs are so 80s 
then mm-hmm. you know it's fertile ground for reinterpreting the songs yeah. because they got good him, melodies. Yeah, I could see him doing Manic Monday, but I don't know about like say like walk like an Egyptian. I don't think no. he can do that now. I don't think. But he can do what that about now. what about the songwriter of Manic Monday? Prince? A little a little artist named Prince, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about, what about Nolan, Dolan sings Prince? Uh, yeah, you could do Dolan sings yes. Prince. That would be interesting, but it, it would be. I mean, Dolan sings Jackson. There's a lot of options because, like, before this record was announced, I mean, I would have thought like Dolan sings Nilsson. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean, I would have thought like yeah, he should uh, things of that generation. So, I mean, I think if he's going after the MTV generation now, and I think it's cool. I think it's a cool thing to do. I just I hope that they they make the selections as smartly as they did REM, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, like I said, turn into a novelty record or a gag. Absolutely, gift. yeah. And what right. you don't want is the old guy doing the whole like hey fellow kids kind of thing um <laughs> where he's trying to be cool you know like pick make smart choices and make choices of, of people who are going to be into it and are going to say hey this is a cool thing yeah. to yeah. their fans mm-hmm. and not ugh this monkey's guy <laughs> there was a lot of folks at the Wuxia Records event that were just in REM t-shirts yeah. you know mm-hmm. or not even necessarily I mean they might be monkeys fans as well but there are a lot of REM fans who are mm-hmm. into this and I think that's going to propel it to a greater level of success yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, personally, the the name that came to mind that I would just love would be if if Mickey did some Elvis Costello. I think mm. that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, but the other idea, I, I don't know if there's enough songs that really fit Mickey, but you know, um, Ben Gibbard did such a good job giving them me and Magdalena. Yeah. That what if Mickey did some Death Cab for Cutie songs? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, frankly, awesome. I I would be okay if they just took the Good Times approach. Mm-hmm. And just reached out to all these folks like uh, Glenn Tilbrook from oh, Squeeze. Like yes. they were like supposedly wrote a song for the monkeys that was supposed to be on the next album that never came. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of those sort of things floating around that I think a lot of those guys would be into writing for a Mickey Dolan's solo album mm-hmm. that right. wasn't necessarily Mickey Dolan sings four songs or 13 songs by this one specific artist. But that, I mean, that, the Dolan sings thing worked really well this time. So mm-hmm. if they go that yeah. direction again, I don't fault them. Yeah. But I mean, I'd be okay with just handing all of Mickey's demos over the years, like the Demoiselle stuff and some of the stuff in the MGM singles collection and let yeah. Christian do his thing with it mm-hmm. and yeah. maybe work in like a Glenn Tilbrook or a, um, you know, a Andy Partridge song, you know, so mm-hmm. you've got a few big name writers on there. It's hard to argue with success though. I mean, I don't know how this album sales or how this EP sales will, will compare with the stuff Mickey's done previously. But as far as the excitement and the news coverage I've seen, it seems like this is the, the biggest one that at least since I've been following him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it has to be because uh, there was a lady who came into work tree and it was kind of after everything was done. And I think she was looking for a copy of the record. And he was kind of like, if you didn't pre-order it, I really only had enough like for all the however many pre-orders it right. ended up being. And so, I mean, he I got the feeling they were sold out of whatever they had. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good so, that she didn't get one, but yeah. good yeah. that. <laughs> It's they're that you know they're, they're getting a big reaction to this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. One thing we forgot to we didn't even mention uh, monkeys fans would find this fascinating, but we when we were talking about the event, we forgot to mention that uh, Henry Diltz and Gary Strobel oh, yeah. were there. <laughs> I kept wanting to talk to Henry Diltz, and I was too nervous. <laughs> I did talk to Glenn Gretland from Seven A Records. I, I said hello to him and told my love Seven A Records, and I just sort of like watched Henry Diltz from across the crowd. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
and and we're not 100% certain, but I think from the looks of it, some of the some of some of the people who were there got their photos taken probably had their photo taken by Henry Diltz. Mm-hmm. I think he yeah. was taking pictures at some of the time that that Jody's son was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. I'm going to watch his social media. Yes. And if I see yes. a picture of myself that is even in the background of a Henry Diltz photo, mm-hmm. I am going to print it out and frame it and hang it on my wall. <laughs> yep. If you don't well, know who Henry Diltz is, he is a famous photographer. He took the photo for like Morrison Hotel and like the um Crosby Stills and Nash. Like there's so many album covers that have Henry Diltz photos on it. And I mean, music books are filled with Henry Diltz yes. photos. And mm. so, yeah, he was out there taking photos too. So I, I wonder the picture that 7A posted. I wonder if those are ones she took because we're in those. We're in oh. one of them. The back of my head. Yeah, the back of your head, my purple back. If (laughs) Henry Dills took that photo of the back of my head, I'm going to frame it. Yes, I wonder where 7A got those pictures, if those are Henry, or or if Glenn was back there taking pictures. I don't know. know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, any any final thoughts about the EP before we move on? If you haven't got it already, go get it. Get it. It's so good. Buy a copy. Support Mickey. Buy a copy. Don't wait for the streaming. Um, just get a copy and throw a little money Mickey's way so he'll keep doing this. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he yeah. could very easily say tomorrow, like, I decided to just go fishing from now on. Mm-hmm. I'm 78. Yeah. <laughs> and that's perfectly acceptable. So the fact that he's still singing and the fact that Christian Nesmith is producing these wonderful records, uh, it's it's just great. And thank you to 7A for making this stuff happen. And like like yeah. Derek said to Jody Ritson for the event. Mm-hmm. It, it was just it was just a magical time. Yeah, it really was. All right, Chuck, what's happening around the world of the monkeys? <laughs> That's usually at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I don't know if you follow music, but if you do, and if you love the music the, of the 60s where the monkeys came from, uh, the Stones and the Beatles are on top, baby. Yeah. They're like the Stones recently had their album Hackney Diamonds, which debuted at number three here in the U.S., number one in the U.K. and Australia. But here in the U.S., it is their... They're the only band now to have a top 10 album in every decade since the 60s. And if you're keeping score, that's seven consecutive decades. The Rolling Stones have had a top 10 album in the U.S., uh, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) as of the time we're recording this, the Beatles' uh, new single is tracking to be number one in the U.K. at least. And that will be, I think, their 18th number one in the U.K., 54 years since their last number one. Uh, single in the UK, uh, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, it's a pretty extraordinary time for music. Yeah. Especially if you if you love the music of the 60s, the Stones and the Beatles were like the top dogs mm-hmm. of the music in the 60s. And the fact that they're, uh, we're going to be doing a, like a, our first bonus episode where we're going to be talking about Now and Then and Hackney Diamonds, because it's a pretty extraordinary thing. And it was something that we wanted to document and, and react to. So, Tune in next week for our our bonus episode about the Stones and the Beatles. All right, Derek, where can people find more of you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Cutout Bin and the Monkeys uh, Headquarters Mixography booklet is just reprinted and now available again at uh, mixinglinksbook.com, which also take you to our Facebook group. Mixing links, the monkeys on disc. Awesome. How about you, Elaine? You can find me on Facebook at Monkeying Around, on Twitter, X, whatever, at Monkeying Around. And we are on Instagram, Monkeying Around. And we have email, monkeyingaroundpodcast at gmail.com. 
<laughs> you can also find me on Facebook at Elaine and Matt Watch TV, where I chronicle what me and my husband Matt are watching on TV. Awesome. And how about us, Chuck? Feltnerdy.com. And Earth Station Trek, our podcast about the about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're in the Atlanta area on Saturday, uh, December the 9th, you can find us at the Sinful Variety Show, which is uh, a burlesque drag variety show. There's sometimes fire eaters. There's sometimes uh, magicians, uh, all kinds of things. But we'll be doing puppets, and that'll be uh, an adult-only show on Saturday, December the 9th. All right. Thanks for monkeying around. Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.